Welcome back to the HSE Network podcast, everyone. This week, we've got another great talk from the Diversity and Inclusion Congress. This is going to look at Race and Black History Month um, and looking at the role of the majority when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you for being uh, here with us just for the break. I hope you enjoyed uh, this morning's sessions. Obviously, as I said, we'll um, make sure you get all the information on that. We are now going to start the first of our... Uh, three afternoon sessions starting in just a second and then after this we've got a session with Kate Field at BSI and Jason Anker will round up the uh, wrap of the day at about three o'clock British summer time today but for now uh, I'm going to hand straight over to Crystal Damage from Sainsbury's on race and black history months Crystal over to you thank you very much Elliot and thank you everybody for joining um I am covering a race and black history month but from the perspective of exploring exploring our role as a majority. Um, this is a topic that is really dear to my heart and you will uh, see as we go through why. But what I wanted to do at the top of this call was give you a bit of an overview to say what we're going to be diving into. So subject is really focusing on our role as a majority. And I know this is a DEI um, uh, Congress and that's incredible and so there's going to be lots of people that don't sit in that majority um, and I will caveat this whole thing by saying I truly believe in starting a conversation that you're scared of and actually if I say anything that is not the right phraseology or anything like that I'm here to learn and be educated and get rid of my unconscious ignorance so please reach out if I could have done this any better. So our role as a majority. Um, overview, we will be diving into unconscious ignorance and the importance of understanding lived experience, what we can do to explore our current knowledge limits and what we can do as a majority. The takeaways hopefully will be some insight into honest um, ignorance or unconscious ignorance, which will be mined, by the way. Um, some lived experience insight, some real lived experience insight, a knowledge exercise and some ideas on how we can find resources to explore and widen our knowledge. So I wanted to start with my background and I know that I'm going to move my little window because you can see that. Um, my background. So it would have been really easy for me to dive into being female in male environments, being part of the LBGT community. It could have, it just would have been really easy. Single mum, you name it. But I really do believe in quite strongly digging into the, the topics that don't have as much coverage or don't have um, as much, um, what are the difficult conversations? So I just wanted to share some of the things about me um, and why I'm talking about this. One of them is I grew up in a massively multicultural um, uh, environment. I grew up on a council estate. Um, I've had friends, loved ones and partners of, of uh, both genders and all races. Um, I don't really believe in valuing the external. I believe in valuing people and souls and hearts. Um, it's just how we were brought up. We were just brought up with, um, with neighbours and friends and colleagues and loved ones and family members that were all parts of different communities, ethnicities, and it was actually quite incredible. Um, but most beloved to me is my best friend, Lindsay, who is not only Black, but part of the LBGT community. Um, and I stood side by side with her for 19 years, and we have both suffered massive amounts of prejudice. I particularly um, around the LBGT, um, but she's also had obviously race as a massive factor of that prejudice too. 
And I thought I knew. I thought standing next to somebody having boyfriends or girlfriends that were black, I understood what racism meant, what what um, members of the black community around me were living with. And I have to say, I now know that I knew nothing. Even standing side by side with Lindsay for 19 years, um, I now know I had a massive bout of unconscious ignorance and this was made all the more important to me when halfway through creating a podcast on our role as a majority um, I was actually phoned halfway through that so strangely to tell me that I'd lost Lindsay from my life that was last week so this is all the more important to share um, this topic because I know that black rights meant a hell of a lot to her as did human rights, LBGT rights, you name it galore. She was a person who loved people and thought we all had a right to be happy. So that is a piece of my background. That's a bit of my context. Um, and these are just some pictures of, you know, Lindsay and her wife, Carla, being there on my wedding day. I was there as a witness on her wedding day. Um, her amazing family that we grew up around and also just part of our LBGT clan. I was 19 in that photo, uh, which is a hell of a long time ago, but we were still there raising the rainbow flag. So when did I realise I was ignorant? Um, the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I was scrolling through Facebook and I came across a video by a family friend um, and we know each other enough you know, this family friends, you know, enough, enough to say, hey, how's life? But not best friends. But I saw a video come up. And it, it blew my mind um, to a huge degree. And I'm going to share a snippet of that video with you, the part that really did throw me. And in that video, he shares that when he walks into a new bar or pub or restaurant, he has to think to himself, do they like black people here? And I've written here to keep me on track from going off on emotional tangents. I realised then my privilege that I have never, ever had to walk into any environment with my friends or my family, me, and I am unconscious to the colour of my skin because I am the majority. And I suddenly realised that even stood next to Lindsay, I've never really asked her about her lived experience. I've never really under asked her what it is like to walk into an environment because I've never really had to think about the fact you would have to consider your skin. It seemed mental. Um, and that is, I'd assumed because I'd seen and I'd watched and been a part of and been stood next to someone so closely actually, but also boyfriends as well, that had suffered racism that I understood. I didn't. I had just seen something. I did not understand their lived experience. I was ignorant. Um, and I'm going to come off my screen now and I'm going to share with you 90 seconds of this video by my friend Royston um, and his video um, that caught me, the real video, because sometimes I think it can be really um, hard to grasp the moment or when someone is sharing some with you. But I get the opportunity. I've asked Royston his permission. Um, and I'm just going to share 90 seconds with you. Racism is a ugly word and racism is a word which I know a lot of people don't like talking about. Um, you know, in the same way that a lot of people are scared of the word black, which I never quite understood. But it's something which we need to eradicate. You know, I've 
live with racism. I can first remember experiencing racism when I first started school at the age of five. And, you know, that was probably the first moment that I identified that I was different and was going to be judged purely on the colour of my skin. So I wasn't going into school for the first time and making new friends and just being a kid. I was doing that, but I was also doing that. Also being held down and with the trying to understand that I was different and the colour of my skin was going to be judged on a daily basis. And as a black person, I believe and we believe that that has continued right up until this very day. Every time we go somewhere, if we go somewhere new, if we walk into a shop, we judge as black, right, okay, he could be a suspect. What's he doing here? Can he afford it? Um, you know, we, we're traveling on public transport. We sit next to someone. You know, the first thing in our mind was thinking, does this black person, does this person next to me like black people or not? Are they going to get funny by it? Um, you know, we start a new job. The person we sat next to, do they like black people? We go to a new town. Do they like black people there? We go in a pub we've never been before. Do they like black people? We go to, um, we go to a different country on holiday. Or do they like black people here? Constant, constant, constant. That what goes through every black person's mind on a daily basis, 100%. And every single black person has been affected by racism, 100%. So Royston goes on to say how tiring it is and actually living with the memories of racism, how exhausted he feels. Um, and I found that quite... Um, just gutting actually to have lived alongside and been in and out of in and out of the house that was also next to Royston's house for almost all my life actually um and not a clue that this do they like black people when he starts a new job goes to a new place goes on holiday that that has to be a consideration but in this there is a really amazing call to action um from Royston and I I can't articulate it better than he can so I'm going to share this too, which was my reason for my advocacy of leaning into scary conversations as a majority, because I understand my role as a majority. Here is what he asks of us. Day in, day out, it hasn't got any better. You know, I could write a book on racism, my life and racism. I could write a whole book, I could do a Netflix feature film on how I have experienced racism. But I just want it to stop. I don't want the colour of my skin to be how I am judged as a person because I love being a black man. But it doesn't mean that I should be judged on it and judged badly on it. You know, love me because I am Royston Howe. Um, dislike me because of my of my ways, but not because of the colour of my skin. Um, you know, and that's what every black person asks for. Do not judge me for the colour of my skin. Um, treat me as you would treat your white counterpart. That's all we can. That's what. That's what we are. Treat me as you would treat your white counterpart in the identical same position. You know, that's how we. That's that's what we ask for. And you may think, well, I'm not racist. That's not enough. It's not enough. You have to be anti-racist mm -hmm. because you can do as a white person. You can do far more. You can do far more for racism than I could ever do. And what I mean by that is when 
you have a white friend or whoever you see white and they're they're being racist, you have to be the one who calls them out, calls them out. Because if you're telling them that that's not acceptable, you know what? It's they're more likely to feel ashamed and think, oh, okay, yeah, we can't be doing that anymore. The more you do that, then the less that we have to talk about racism, the less you have to hear about it. So I think that that call to action is super clear, um, which is, I, I mean, I've never, I've never really thought about it in that way, which is just not being racist is not enough. Actually, you have to be anti it. You have to tackle in those conversations. Um, and so one of the things I wanted to do is look at the race side um, first and our role as a majority when it comes to race and racism. And then also build on that because Black History Month is what we're sat in right now. It's, it's October um, and Black History Month is not supposed to be just about the whole ra the racism element. It's supposed to be about building our knowledge, expanding our minds, um, building respect and empathy and a knowledge base as akin to what we know of the majority groups, the white histor historic figures. So I wanted to take a moment um, to do a bit of an exercise with you. So whether you want to open OneNote or grab your phone and go to notes or get a pen and paper, whether you're super traditional, uh, if I have a little mixture in front of me of all of those three, um, please do and go with me on this. It is really worth it. So I'll give um, you a little minute just to rustle around and get your pen and paper. Um, and I want to just spend just a minute writing down five powerful, historic white men and the same for white women. Um, and just give yourself a minute, just rattle them off. Try and go as far back as, uh, you know, if can you remember anyone from school that you were taught about? How far back does that go? I'll give you, I'll give you a minute from now. We should have, Elliot, we should have some sort of elevator music in the background um to fill in the blanks and down ticking or something <laughs> <laughs> why not there's another minute coming up so why not um so yeah i think um my one by the way my my furthest back one when i did this exercise myself was um joan of arc um i think it was like 1400 and something um amazing so we're just scribbling some of those down Fabulous. Okay. Now, I know we don't have um, a sort of chat section or anything like that, which would have been really cool if people could have shared the sort of uh, the oldest person on the list or how far back in history that person goes on my list. Um, but maybe we'll have some, some insight into that later. So part two of this exercise, as you can probably imagine, is to do the same five powerful and historic black men, five powerful and historic black women. Go as far back as you can. Really challenge yourself. I'll give another minute on this one. And my furthest back to um, share my absolute ignorance um, on this one was Martin Luther King. Um, and I've got the dates in the, next, um, in the next part. So Martin Luther King was as far back as I could go at the time that I did this I wanted to do it blind um so amazing we should have had that countdown earlier but hopefully people are scribbling away and um and realizing a couple of things amazing 
Okay. So observations of your two lists. Mine was, I could have gone back to 1431 to Joan of Arc in the white historical camp. And I could only go back to Martin Luther King. I don't think that date's right. I don't think that's date that. I think I've um, done a typo on that. Um, I'm pretty sure it was 1943. Um, we'll have a little look. Um, but so I was able to, to realise and reference, there was hundreds of years difference in my ability to reference the history in the... Um, um, the history for white men and women and the history for black men and women. And actually, if you're looking at your list right now and thinking you really struggled, and maybe your list is like flourishing and amazing on both parts, and if so, amazing, and maybe some of Black History Month has really played into that, and you learn about some stuff and some people and some incredible people that you'd want to share, um, my one call to action there would be take your inspiration, share it on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on whatever you like, share who has inspired you, you've discovered during this month. But my main observation is my um, historical knowledge um, of people in the majority far outweighed what I could pull for the majority in the black space. Um, and so what can we do? What can we do with this um, limited knowledge? And for me, it's get inspired, right? This whole month is designed to inspire us, to teach us the origins of our Black community, how they came to be where they are. Um, I have done some, some reading and some um, research. And if you are struggling, screenshot this. If you are thinking, like, where do I even start? Look up Franklin Douglas, 1845. Incredible man that um, fled um, slavery and landed in Cork. And the most interesting thing I read about him was, um, or this phrase, cautiously, he lived cautiously as a free man. Um, and I, I think if you have to live cautiously, you are not a free man. Um, but it talks about how he um, paired up with somebody that was um, called O'Connell, and he was a massive activist in the anti-slavery um, movement in Ireland. And it's really interesting reading, get involved. It's amazing to see what they were really fighting against. Um, look up engineer Marion uh, Croke and the, um, the late Patricia um, Bath. They are the first black female inventors to reach the Inventors Hall of Fame. There are 600 people in that, by the way. And they are the first two female black inventors to go into the Inventors Hall of Fame. They are incredible. They have a million patents to their name. They have been incredible. Dive in, share the inspiration. Google, like I did, um, to start off with, incredible black men and women. Uh, CNN had a Wicked article from 2019 um, that takes you through some amazing black women from the 1700s to 2019, even from poets to astronauts. Um, I found this so inspiring, just in general, just as a woman, let alone, um, um, you know, what it would feel like to be reading that as a black woman. If you see it, you can be it. And we need those role models. We need those um, aspirational people being talked about in as big a ways as we do as people in the majority. Um, my next thing on my, on my thing to do list is watch Hidden Figures, apparently mind blowing. Um, or Google Catherine Johnson, who passed away last year. She did the maths for sending the first people into space or to the moon, I believe. Um, and she did that math in her head, by the way. So she was known 
or her team was known um, as the first computers. Um, incredible, right? We know Neil Armstrong, he went to space. Well, this woman put them there um, and we should be able to celebrate those two people side by side. So watch Hidden Figures, get the kids to watch Hidden Figures uh, or just look up Catherine Johnson if you're more of a reader. Um, and then my last call to action is just um, the listen and learn piece. With insight comes empathy and understanding. Ask your friends and colleagues about their best and worst lived experiences. Um, and one of the caveats for this is I'm definitely seeing a massive thing at the moment where um, the black women, men and women in the, the workplaces of my friends and colleagues are saying, I don't really want to be the face of this. I, I want to talk less about race. I want to be seen as an individual. And the more I put myself out there, it's nerve wracking. It's different. Um, and so some people may not feel comfortable talking about it, but lean in and you know, listen to podcasts are rife at the moment. Look, go on to Anchor or Spotify or whatever and put in Black History Month. The amount of things that you can listen to, BBC has got an incredible series on Black History Month where I was learning about um, um, families that were segregated after the Nazi war um, and what happened when they were um, um, interracial, biracial couples that had children. It, it's horrifying um, and what they have suffered as a result um, of racism even then. So dig in, understand the lived experiences. If you don't have anybody around you that you can ask or dig into or ask, you know, I've had, you know, even reference this. I just listened to somebody say they have to think about the skin color when they enter a building. Um, just dig in, just say it's really spurred you on to um, want to understand more so you can be more empathetic. Um, and also so we can understand how sort of privileged we are really to not have to live with that consciousness. Um, and then so our role, so back to the title, and I think um, this is bringing me 15 minutes ahead of schedule. I want to really pull on what Royston said. It's not enough not to be racist. You have to be anti-racist. And this is nerve wracking and difficult and a really new thing because it's such a difficult topic to discuss, but he is right. We can do more than he ever could because the more we say that's not acceptable, the more we set a standard and the less we have to talk about race and racism. Um, and we can all just be proud to be where we're from and who we are. So it's not enough to be to not be racist. We have to be anti-racist. Hear others. And I put hear and not listen, because listening is not the same as hearing. Um, and I watched something Simon Sinek said the other day, um, and I, I preach this for many years, actually. But listening means you can verbatim repeat what somebody has said to you. Hearing means you felt it. Um, I don't think he said the felt it bit. That's me. But hearing is different. Hearing means it went in. Hearing means you are digesting it in a big way. Um, so hear others and extend your knowledge. Use Black History Month as a, an incredible springboard to identify where your knowledge stops in terms of the history. Um, and then dig in podcasts, Google searches, movies, papers, books. It's all there for the taking. Um, I think some of the um, some of the things that you will learn about what has happened um, in history will blow your mind. Some stuff is 
is quite upsetting. But, you know, listen to Will I Am do something on um, in Black History Month saying he's called William Adams. And he said, I have a, a, a white last name, which means at some point my family were owned. They were owned. We don't have our um, our own last name. That blew my mind um, as well. So I think our role is to be anti, broaden our knowledge and to really hear when people are speaking about lived experience. So I think I'm slightly ahead of schedule, 14 minutes ahead of schedule, but thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. Um, thank you so much. Again, as I said before, it's a difficult topic. People are quite scared to tackle it, to talk about race. I'd rather lean in and start something, a powerful conversation and be educated. Um, if I've got something wrong, then not start it at all. So thank you very much. I hope some of this has been helpful. It's given you some insight and um, it's been a pleasure presenting to you today. Ah, thank you so much, Crystal. It's brilliant. I love what you said about, um, you know, starting a conversation you're scared of. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. And it's the whole sort of point of this event is, um, you know, breaching these subjects and the people like yourself coming on speaking about it. And what I know, as we spoke before, what I especially love is the meaning behind it, you know, not just talking, you know, it's Black History Month. And like you said, it's just, it's another topic sort of ticked off the list, but you've actually got the, you know, the, uh, the sort of passion behind it because of something that's happened, which I think is tremendous really so thank you so much you're welcome um yeah guys obviously if any of you want to get in touch or any uh questions or comments let us know we'll always get them across and obviously if there's any uh i think you'd like us to go into in more detail you'd like to see certain people host always let us know and do what we can um we are going to break for about five minutes or so now while we get kate film from bsi uh, up and ready to go. So we will see you in probably five or six minutes. Um, just don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Lovely. Thanks, guys. Lovely. Thanks, Elliot. Thanks, Crystal.